Hello, and welcome back to And Black Men. In this episode, our interviewee, Ventress Jackson, talks about a number of topics ranging from intersectionality, white and black feminism, womanism, abjection, as well as misogyny. I'm Ventress Jackson, 26, IT professional, someone to be college graduate, liberal studies degree. I have an array of interests and I enjoy deep conversations, difficult and not so difficult. <laughs> and I would consider myself a um, unconventional thinker at times. So, you are now on the podcast. We're just going to be talking about um, feminism in general and what it means to be um, a person of color within feminism. So, for Black women, Latino women, Asian women, but um, the main focus of this podcast, since it is called Am Black Men, is on hearing the Black male perspective on what it means to be a white feminist versus a Black feminist, how intersectionality works into this, as well as misogynoir. Obviously, we're not going to get on all of those topics, because that's a lot to talk about, but I really just want to hear from you and, like, what you already know about these topics and like how you were socialized and how you learned about these, where you learned about them. Um, and yeah, that's, that's basically it. But I think where I would like to start is like just the concept of intersectionality. And I was curious if you learned about it, where you learned about it, what you know about it. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit familiar with it uh i don't want to say i'm an expert and pretty novice in it to be honest um i've taken a, a couple courses in undergrad in women studies in the lgbtq plus studies i'm actually in a, in a hip-hop class at the moment where we're discussing uh womanism and feminism in hip-hop that's interesting um so i've i've been a bit exposed to it but not enough to where like have the greatest of <laughs> conversations at the moment. It's a lot of it'll be a lot of opinionate opinionated um, remarks coming from me. That's okay. That's that's what we're here for is to hear your opinion. Just to like define it. Um, so intersectionality was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw and I'm blanking on what the year is right now, but I'll edit myself in saying what the year is. So just for the purpose of accuracy, I'm going to interrupt and redefine what intersectionality is. Um, this is coming from Mapping the Margins, Intersectionality, Identity, Politics, and Violence Against Women of Color by Kimberly Crenshaw, the woman who coined it in 1989. In an earlier article, I used the concept of intersectionality to denote the various ways in which race and gender interact to shape the multiple dimensions of Black women's employment experiences. My objective there was to illustrate that many of the experiences Black women face are not subsumed within the traditional boundaries of race or gender discrimination as these boundaries are currently understood and that the intersection of racism and sexism factors into Black women's lives in ways that cannot be captured wholly by looking at the race or gender dimension of those experiences separately. 
Um, and the definition of it, when you do just like search it up on the Oxford English Dictionary, is just the interconnected nature of social categorizations such as race, class, and gender as they apply to a given individual or group regarded as creating overlapping or independent and independent systems of discrimination or disadvantage. Um, I know that was like very wordy, but I don't know if that like helps you at all to say anything on intersectionality or we can move to a different topic if you have like more to say about other things. Yeah, um, so I did, I actually have read the Vox.com piece on Kimberly Crenshaw a few times. Um, thought it was a really good piece. I wish that I remembered more about it at the moment. Um, but because I don't have the greatest strength in the subject matter, be okay to move on. And my, my current understanding, um, of intersectionality. The word is actually funny just for me because I'm also in an African-American sports history class and the term was actually used before Miss um, Kimberly uh, in, in, in sports uh, a while back, a few decades ago, which I came to find out this semester. So um, we, can, we can move on. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, that's fine. I think then I want to move into a topic that's a little bit more complicated, but it's still pretty interesting. So in one of the the short texts that I little sent you earlier, um, there's one in there that has this paragraph that I found to be particularly interesting. I'm going to explain why, and I want to hear your opinion and, like, have you even tried to explain it in your own words of what you think it, mm -hmm. what it's attempting to um, say in this theory? So as we all know, we're living in COVID, all on Wi-Fi all the time. So at this point, my Wi-Fi started to get a little bit iffy. So if you hear better audio of me reading over it, that is just me re-editing in what I said so that you all can understand what I'm even saying. The title of the book that I'm reading from is Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper. I'm tired of meeting white women with no race analysis who marry black men and make these men feel like their race, their blackness, is not a primary thing that defines them. For many black men, the best case scenario is that they can create a part of their lives where they are not solely defined by black manhood. The worst case scenario is that they think white womanhood is some kind of come up from the abjection of black womanhood. So I'm not sure what your first impressions of that quote is, and I sent it to you somewhere. It's the one that's kind of diagonal and zoomed in a little bit if yeah. you want to look at that quote again. Um, I'm not sure what your first impressions are of it, but I want to hear it before I go into, like, how I read into this. Yeah. Um, I, it was interesting for me, too. I was, um, between that and it was another page where my, t my top two most intriguing reads. Um, the, the part about, you know, 
black uh, black men's blackness not not being a primary thing that defines them. It's it's very interesting for me because I think having to face as black men having to face what it means to for for your blackness to be primary is that identity has been so lost and, and stripped of us so much. I think in, instead of trying to find that identity again or or tap into it again because I don't I don't believe it's fully lost. Um, tapping into it is such a challenge and it's such a having to look in a mirror and, and, and accept the person you're looking at. I think it's one of the most scariest things that could be done and instead of instead of dealing instead of dealing with that instead of facing it we take on these uh and i really hate speaking in general terms but okay uh for the sake of the interview um we take on these white women because it's just so much easier um we don't have to be you know all of the check marks and all those things that you know that black women expect of us need from us know what we're capable of uh these white women they don't even want from a lot of times maybe half of that or even a fourth of any of that and uh and we just sit back and it's like oh this is easy we, we take the easy easy uh easy route and i think that's a, a lot of what happens there and the, the whole come up part and i don't want to be too long with it but the come up part is for me you know during slavery the white woman was put into such a pedestal because another thing the reading said was like black women represented slavery and white women represented freedom and so getting that white woman um to come up is you you as a black man you get to feel as as close as you can to what it feels like to sit in that white man's seat um and i guess I could go on and on, but I'll stop there. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, I guess the only thing that you didn't touch upon that I found particularly curious and interesting is the inclusion of the word abjection um, to describe black womanhood. And I was curious on what you think the author meant by this. You said black womanhood? Yeah, so where it says the worst case scenario is that they think white womanhood is some kind of come up from the abjection of black womanhood. What do you think the abjection of black womanhood is for black men? When you hear that, what 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 do you envision? I was just getting a super quick definition of abjection, which is to cast off. It's, wow, this is deep. <laughs> it. For me, it looks like, or it, it seems like, that that white woman is every single thing. The, the black man takes, perhaps the black man takes on the mentality of the white man who is, you know, for a long time the slave master. And I think in that moment, he's looking through the eyes of, of, of that oppressor. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the objection of the black woman who you you've stripped her of everything um woman mm -hmm. and you are completely 
And that's that's what I kind of go back early when I say getting that white woman puts him in his seat closest to what it actually feels like to be the white man. So you're sitting in his seat. It's like, oh, this is how you see black women. This is how you saw them for so long. And so he, that's what we're doing. And um, those white women, we're literally as close as you physically can or whatever, looking at black women from his view. And that's less than a human. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think, do you think the sentiments of black men, manhood, like adopting this mentality is true? Um, I mean, the mentality I just spoke on. Mm-hmm. In a lot more cases, no, yes. Um, but I'm also noticing that that thinking is, uh, being served with this generation and with coming generations. Um, but like I said, a lot more guys than I would like have this thinking and I, I don't really like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for me, um, one of the reasons I, I questioned um, objection for you is I, I took a, I did take a course that was purely focused on the abjection of blackness in general, um, an abjection in um, relationship to the genre of horror. And in that class, we, we had this very interesting definition of abjection that I am going to like read to you really quickly. And I wonder if having both the impression that you already have with this new theory of objection, how, how that frames it for you, although they, they, um, they definitely work nicely together. Okay. Um, Approaching Abjection by David Marriott. The abject is not an object facing me, which I name or imagine, nor is it an object an otherness ceaselessly fleeing a systematic quest for desire. What is abject is not my correlative, which, providing me with someone or something else as support, would allow me to be more or less detached and autonomous. The abject has only one quality of the object, that of being opposed to I. If the object, however, through its opposition, settles me within the fragile texture of a desire for meaning, which, as a matter of fact, makes me ceaselessly and infinitely homogeneous to it. What is abject on the contrary is the jettisoned object is radically excluded and draws me towards the place where meaning collapses. What I think is important to like pick out from that is the abject has only one quality of the object, that of being opposed to I, as well as draws me toward the place where meaning collapses. From this definition, basically, it's it's saying that, like, the object, how you define it is knowing that it's it's different from what I am, and we know that that's true of both the abject and the object. Um, but what's different between the abject and the object is that the abject is the place where meaning collapses. So an object yep. is usable, whereas an ab- something that is abject is incapable of use. Absolutely. Yeah, well, meaning. Yeah. Um and I didn't, I didn't want to like go that far for the sake of time, but that's kind of along the lines of what I was thinking and where I wanted to go, but I, I concur.
Okay. Um, could you just like briefly explain your relationship with feminism and how you would define yourself sitting within feminism and how you came to learn about feminism? By myself now being more of, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm more along the lines of a womanist. Um, um, cause I'm, I'm on my black agenda. <laughs> um, it's just who I am. Um, and, you know, supporting other women of color. So, especially, you know, in the past couple of years, seeing my mother, um, as coming into my own adulthood as a, as a, as a man, um, and seeing like my mom, Gaining a different respect for her, like being in my, the place that I am in my life, um, I now like got a full in-depth view of like the struggles that she's had over the year, years, um, in her career endeavors, um, and pursuing things that she wants to do, but also seeing her be a Renaissance woman in tech, um, and so, um that's kind of shaped me into like the way I support and even the way like I view women's um, battles and struggles. Um, I have a like literally like a totally newfound respect and uh, admiration for like how they and how you all, shall I say, um, you know, deal with everything. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm still growing in my knowledge and, I'm striving to be a better uh, understanding person uh, every day, so. Thank you. Thank you for your time.